Welcome to Marketing with Walker and Graham, the show about marketing and advertising specifically targeted for those of us in central Pennsylvania. So I'm John Walker, and when I'm not doing podcasts, I serve as the digital marketing director at LMP Media Group. And I'm Marcus Grimm, VP of Marketing, uh, VP of Market Growth and Innovation is the official title at Benchmark Construction. John, this is this is episode one. I have to tell you, I'm on my car. Uh, I'm in my car. I'm coming here. I'm trying to get excited about this, and I'm listening to podcasts, right? Because that's how we get sure. inspired. Yeah. And the one I'm listening to says, "Welcome to episode 601." Okay. All right. Well, I'm sure we'll get there. <laughs> Um, I've been listening to old episodes of Car Talk, so uh, if I drop into a Boston accent, uh, you'll know why. That that sounds great, and uh, but you would have to carry that one on your own. I can't I can't All fix right. my own car. So All right. All right. Well. I think we'll stick to marketing because that's what we know at least a little about. John, that's really all I know. Okay. So, so right. uh, that's that's that that's kind of the shtick here, right? Yeah. Well, we'll we'll see if the listeners uh, agree that we know anything about marketing. We we would encourage them to tell us if we don't. Certainly. So, go ahead, John. So, what are we going to talk about in episode one? All right. So, when we were talking about episode one, y- you were a little bit pushy about this, I- but hey. You know, I, un- I understand um, because you're a big marketing archetype guy, right? Archetypes, buddy. Yeah, I, I am all about the marketing archetype and how we apply that to our to our strategies and tactics. All right. So marketing archetypes. The first thing we got to talk about is what the heck is a marketing archetype? Yeah, that's, that's a great point because truth is archetype doesn't just apply to marketing. But as we as we go into this, we'll see it applies to everything that, that we go into. But before we even go into the archetypes, we do need to spend a little time on storytelling as a concept and how important it is in all ways. So, so let's break this down. All right. you know, um, and a lot of the early part of this program, John, people can read a great book. It's called Sapiens. And Sapiens talks about the fact that early on in, in human history, human beings and Neanderthals, I didn't know this until I read the book, they actually coexisted at the same time. Did you know that? No, I did not know that. So, so imagine you've got Homo sapiens, you've got Neanderthals on the planet. How did Homo sapiens become the the species that they are? Because there's no Neanderthals today, right, John? Uh, true. True. Yeah. I mean, some would argue, uh, but no, generally. <laughs> um, well, I do work in construction, so I definitely have an opinion on that. Okay. But uh, but but you know, when you look at that, one of the things that people say is that the difference in Homo sapiens was that they actually embraced storytelling. And what storytelling enabled us to do was, prior to storytelling, the human race, if there was more than 150 people in a clan, they, they couldn't really relate to one another. They weren't, uh, in other words, I could get my relatives to go into war with me, but how do I get somebody who I don't even know to go into war with me? And what they talked about was these stories, these stories bonded us, and these stories helped us to understand people that we did not necessarily grow up with. And if you take a look at storytelling, storytelling certainly applies to all of the religions that are out there that have their own heroes, their own villains, their own reasons to be. So storytelling as a concept is absolutely huge. And look, there's so many things that we could talk about the aspects of storytelling. We're gonna do more episodes about storytelling. We'll talk about plots and man in the whole uh, plot lines and all that. But for today, there's only one thing we're gonna discuss. John, question for you. What does every great story have? Well, I would say it has a character that we can relate to. 
one that we totally, totally understand. We get that character, right? Yeah, for sure. Well, that's exactly what the archetype is. So now let's t- talk about specifically archetype theory. Carl Jung, the, 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 the famous psychologist, was the one who actually came up with the, the original archetype theory. And what he said, uh, Jung actually said that we were born with this. We were born understanding what certain archetypes are. And when we come across them, we absolutely recognize them. And we do this because they serve a valuable purpose. They serve to show us what is a consistent archetype efficiently and with clarity. We can understand what we're dealing with with a specific character. Now, Marcus, are you trying to convince me that marketing enabled Homo sapiens to stamp out Neanderthals? Is is that how important marketing is? Absolutely. That's exactly, you know, no stories. It's quite possible today that you and I are having to work with Neanderthals. And listen, listen, we've got a higher purpose than that, don't we, John? Well, I, I know I do. So, so let me ask you this question, John. Let's talk about this. I'm, gonna, I'm just going to say a word. Okay. And I want you to respond to it. All right. The word is mother. Um, warm, nurturing, supportive. You nailed it. You okay. absolutely nailed it, John. That's what, we, that's what almost all of us think when we hear the word mother. Now, what's interesting is you didn't get tripped up by that, did you? You didn't say, well, is she old? Is she young? Does she work? Is she at home? What right. car does she drive? You yeah. got it, right? Sure. The, the ideas just sort of uh, came into my mind. Uh, that's exactly right. And, and, and Carl Jung actually said that we were born with these archetypes in our head already. Now, some people have argued that we actually form our archetypes at a very early age. John, as a marketer, I don't really care if they're born with it or if you come up with it in those very, very early years. But it's a powerful, powerful co- concept, which takes us to 2001. Two women named Carol Pearson and Margaret Mark published the book called The Hero and the Outlaw. If you are a marketer today, John, this book has to be on your bookshelf. And essentially what they did was they said, you know what? We can take these archetypes and we can actually apply them to brands. And again, the reason we would do that is so that when I see a brand, I could very, very quickly see what does that brand stand for. All right. That makes sense. So let's dive into this a little bit. Let's go through some of these. What are some of these particular archetypes? Well, it's a great question. If you pick up the book, and I really, really encourage people to do so, there are 12 that are in the book, these 12 key archetypes. And and we're going to go through some of them in, in, in greater detail. But the thing to realize is there's even more than 12. You can actually buy a toolkit that goes along with the book, which comes with a card deck. And, and these 12 archetypes are broken down into up to 60 archetypes, and there's even more than that. But the point is, when I see a given archetype, um, can I very clearly see what what that brand's character is? Or the way I like to think about it, John, is if a brand were to be starring in a movie, if LNP was to be starring in a movie, what would that character look like? You know, would, would it be would it be Jim Carrey or would it be Bruce Willis? Two very very different characters. That's what the what the archetype does. So you know, we're going to go through a few of these. I don't know if I can remember all twelve off the top of my head, but we're going to talk about the hero. We're going to talk about the magician, the sovereign, the entertainer. These are all archetypes that are out there. Now, how about the explorer? Now, w- what about this? How about if I if I pick an archetype? And I am kind of intrigued by the explorer archetype. 
and I'll, I'll, I'll put it out there, and you tell me what, uh, what brands would be associated with that. That's a great idea. So this is an archetype challenge, right? Yeah, it's the, our, our first challenge of the day. Okay, so the, archety the Explorer archetype. Did you say that's our first challenge of the day? Well, just uh, starting this thing off is the first challenge. So this has been the second challenge. Foreshadowing. I like it. I like it. Let's keep going. <laughs> okay. So, um, so the explorer archetype um, stems from the need to be individualistic and have purpose or meaning. So this archetype strives to answer the question, what am I here for? What is my purpose? Uh, by exploring and learning from the world around it. So adventure uh, is a means of enlightenment. Um, and, and the explorer is focused on self-discovery and self-sufficiency. So explorer archetype, what brands uh, are linked to that archetype? Yeah, that's a great question. And the explorer is a powerful, powerful archetype. Before we even go into the brand, let's actually talk about it in popular culture. Hey, Indiana Jones, okay. he, he was the prototypical <laughs> explorer. He, you know, I, my, my, one of my favorite scenes from Indiana Jones is where he's he, uh, Harrison Ford is teaching in the classroom, and he's so sick of, of the – he's actually in his office, and the kids are knocking on the door. They want to come in and talk to the professor. And he actually sneaks out of the office, jumps out of his office window, and he goes off on adventure. That's what the Explorer does. Now, at the brand level, John, there is no better well-known Explorer brand than Jeep. Okay, Jeep. Tell me about every Jeep ad that you've ever seen. Well – outside rugged exploration i'm picturing a jeep you know on the edge of the grand canyon absolutely i mean let, let's be honest you, you and i are sitting right here in the lmp studios and we've got we've got a beautiful view here of king street but would you ever see a jeep on king street in a jeep ad no for sure you wouldn't uh maybe down in tuckwan driving uh through the <laughs> that's, creek that's exactly right that, that's exactly where we see that jeep brand because it's all about getting outside get getting away from things um and you know one of the things to keep in mind here is that you know great brands really create these these collective tribes of people who sh who share the same feeling how many times have you seen this 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 bumper sticker it's a jeep thing you wouldn't understand <laughs> yeah i'm very familiar with that yeah absolutely and it's all because they're saying hey you know what i get it i am an explorer um explore is a powerful powerful brand powerful po powerful archetype rather all right so another powerful archetype is the hero so let's talk about the hero so the hero um is built around the idea of courageous triumph over adversity um finding deep satisfaction exhilaration and purpose in this kind of triumph over adversity uh there's there's tenacity there and there's never give up attitude oh the hero archetype and, and wow that's a that's a powerful one as it as it applies to brands and listen you can if you go online and you google brand archetypes everyone talks about the exact same hero archetype this is episode one john so i may as well do a layup let's talk about nike all right we, we can't get through a marketing uh podcast without <laughs> Uh, talking about Nike. So yeah, let's let's get into it. All right. So first off, we need to understand, John, do you know what the word Nike means? Uh, something about a Greek god, right? Not just a Greek god. It was, Nike was the Greek goddess of victory. Ah, okay. okay. So we're not talking about participating in sports. All right, victory. We're talking about 
winning. Mm-hmm. And and in, in Greek mythology, Nike would come down from the heavens. She was the one who would put the crown of, of leaves on mm. onto the head of the victor. Got it. Now, what, what's, what's really interesting about the hero archetype and as it relates to Nike, hey, listen, it's the most famous slogan of all. John, have you, have you written a, a slogan as good as just do it? Um, well, I think so, but uh, <laughs> no one else would agree with me. <laughs> well, but here's the thing about just do it. If you look at every Nike ad, Nike's never going to sell you a jacket that says, oh, it's going to keep you warm. <laughs> it's going to be comfy. I don't even think Nike ever even tells you you're going to look good in their stuff. What they tell you is when you put on Nike, it's going to help you to just do it, Mm -hmm. to get up in the morning at 4 a.m., to go out when the snow is six inches deep. That's what the hero does. The hero is all about victory, and strong brands use that hero archetype all the time. Sure, sure. That's a powerful one. All right, let's... let's, I'm going to throw you a little curveball with another archetype, and this is the outlaw or rebel. So, you know, we all have a wild side. I know you do, Marcus. Um, And the outlaw brand archetype taps into our deep desire for nonconformity to the point of rebellion. The outlaw throws aside societal norms and seeks to destroy, if only to build things up again the way they should be. So what's a, what's a brand associated with outlaw or rebel? Well, you know, this is interesting because we're going to talk about one of the most famous ones that's actually shifted their archetype a bit, a bit mm. through the years. Because here's something to really think about if you're going to try to be the rebel archetype. Okay. You need something to rebel against. Right. So there needs to be a status quo. So, John, if I take you back about... Uh, <laughs> Let's go back to when we just started using computers, okay? Yep. So we had Microsoft. Microsoft was it was a, a they were growing like mad. They were very, very popular. Microsoft was the status quo. Right. Little company shows up by the name of Apple. Right. And what Apple quickly became was the anti-Microsoft brand. Now what's really, really interesting about Apple, let's take a look at how they've done that. Let's start with the logo, John. Tell me about Apple's logo. Well, there's a bite taken out of the apple. It's not a complete apple. It's a bitten apple. And and listen, archetypes are all about storytelling. Who took the bite out of the original apple? Steve Jobs. Good, good. But let's go with with Eve in the Garden of Ah, Eden. She was the first rebel. She had one one rule, don't do this. Mm -hmm. And and she did it. Now, what's really interesting about archetypes is, you know, and and let's look at how Nike has, or I'm sorry, how Apple has embraced that outlaw archetype. Think about the campaigns they've had, you know, I'm a a, a PC, well, I'm an Apple, you know, I'm different. Even today in our offices, um, I don't know if you have it here at LMP, John, but I I see there's people who are very, very pro-Apple, and they like to almost throw that in the face of of the PC people out there. Um, It's a huge thing that, that Apple does. And I'll tell you what, if you really want to look at how well Apple has embraced that rebel archetype, take a look at their mission statement sometime. Their mission statement actually mentions the words rebellion mm, in it. Okay. A mission statement that says rebellion, which I think is is, uh, is pretty powerful. Well, uh, Marcus, do you remember their first Super Bowl commercial? I believe it was in around the year 1984. I remember that one. Talk about it, John. Well, there was, there was a, a woman... Um, and it was this sort of dystopian, futuristic environment. She's running, and she's carrying a sledgehammer. 
and she throws the sledgehammer and smashes through some sort of window or screen. It was the ultimate kind of uh, rebellious act. That's exactly what it was. And, and so Apple absolutely was, was the rebel. Now, it's really interesting. If, 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 uh, if anyone is listening to the podcast here and they're like, I don't know that Apple is the rebel. Um, actually, if you Google it, these days some people say that Apple has, has moved over into the creator archetype, which we're going to talk about in a few minutes, or some people even say the magician archetype. And, and I think that, that's, I, I think that those, are, those are worthy arguments. How However, out of the gate in the early days, no question about it, Apple was the original strong brand rebel. All right, so this is fascinating to me anyway, but, you know, I'm sort of a marketing nerd. Uh, But all this archetype stuff sounds a little Madison Avenue, you know. So the question is, can businesses right here in Lancaster County use archetypes? Not only can they use them, John. They absolutely should. And, and you know, that's one of the things that I don't think we talked about at the start of this podcast is you and I, every time we do one of these episodes, we're going to try to bring it down right into central Pennsylvania. We're going to talk about brands in central Pennsylvania, and we're going to talk about how they can get stronger from using some of these strategies and techniques. So let's do this. Let's take a short break, and when we come back, we're going to look at some of those Lancaster County brand archetypes, and we'll discuss why there aren't more and if there should be. You are listening to Marketing with Walker and Grimm. Listen to more episodes of this podcast on lmpmediagroup.com. Now, back to Walker and Grimm. All right, John, we're back. We're up to speed. Uh, the listeners know what archetypes are. Hopefully, they've bought into how powerful they are. And we know that they exist with the big brands. But you know what? Uh, let's start talking about Lancaster County. Do me a favor, John. Um, tell us a little bit uh, about one of my favorite brands. Talk about the Creator brand. Okay. Well, Marcus, my knowledge of the Creator brand is uh, thanks to you. You've been schooling me in uh, the the archetype ideas around marketing. Um, But, okay, Creator. Um, Creator is desires freedom while at the same time deeply motivated by control. Hanging in this delicate balance, we find visionary and innovative brands that value imagination and self-expression, particularly in the fields of art, design, marketing, and technology. Is that a fair description? That's a very fair description. But but here's the cool thing about archetypes. They don't need to exist in that narrow spectrum. Uh, So you mentioned design, marketing, technology. I'm going to tell you about a different creator. John, do you like to go down to to Rachel's Crepery? I love Rachel's. Okay. Well, I'm going to be honest. I have a love-hate relationship with Rachel's. Really? Okay. Okay, listen. Here's the hate part. I'm going to do that really simple. That place is packed to the gills. It is crowded beyond belief. They turn tables over so fast, but more and more people keep coming in. And that's because we all love the food. The crepes are absolutely outstanding. But you know what's what's fascinating is, man, what a creator brand. John, tell me about the walls when you go into Rachel's. Yeah, I'm, I'm remembering that I think there are pictures of Paris. Um, I think the the founder of that business may have spent time um, in France. It, it feels like you're overseas. You, you, you're overseas, but there is artwork all over the walls. And listen, let's talk about the, the, the wait staff at, 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 at Rachel's. You know, um, uh, tongue-in-cheek, but I don't know if they hire waitresses that don't have the most incredible tattoos I, I've ever seen. It is an extremely 
creative workforce. And, and it goes all the way down through the brands. I mean, the, the crepes themselves are delicious, but the reality is Rachel's is a powerful, powerful creator brand. Anyone who's creative loves to go to, to Rachel's. I, they just do a great job with that archetype. You know, there there is something uh, about Rachel's that I think many great brands have, and that that that's that there's a kind of consistency through the whole experience. Uh, there's a consistency with the type of place and the type of people and the food, and it all kind of adds up to a a certain type of experience. Well, and, and, and what you said there is really, really important, John, which is it is consistent. So, you know, everyone at Rachel's really seems to embody that, that, that creator archetype. All right, so we're talking about Rachel's and the type of experience there, but you know what? I can think of another business in, in Lancaster that seems to me uh, to be more of a rebel brand. Do you a, know a rebel right here in Lancaster? Believe it or not, you know who I'm going to say. <laughs> you're you're going to talk about the dudes, aren't you? I'm going to talk about the dudes. Two dudes painting. Yeah. Rebel archetype. Yeah, and and it's interesting to to really think about uh, two dudes. Really, really is the only rebel painting company that I know of here in Central Pennsylvania. Which again, what archetypes do is they provide distinction. Now, it's interesting. If you read if you read the book, The Hero and the Outlaw, there is, there is no dude as an archetype. But the reality is, if I, you know, John, tell me, what what is a dude? Um, well, I would say a dude. It conjures up an image in my mind of somebody who's laid back, somebody who does their own thing, somebody who's kind of heading in their own direction. To some degree, a dude is the cool guy in high school. The dude is the cool guy in high school. And, you know, it's interesting. When I was trying to think about, you know, what does two dudes most remind me of? John, I'm going to date myself here a little bit. But how about Fonzie? Sure. And Happy Yeah, you yeah. Know, Fonzie, listen, he was a rebel. He was in he was in the the leather jacket. I remember that you know he he wore the leather jacket while he was jumping the shark. If you if you remember that episode, I do. But but the reality is, Fonzie always did things his own way, but he still always did the right thing. So you you know you can be the rebel and still take care of your customers and and still you know do a great job out there. And it's fascinating to me, John, that when you talk to people um, who've hired two dudes. Um, and you say to them, hey, who did the painting here? They almost give you a slick smile when they're like, we hired the dudes. You right, know? It, right, for because sure. Because it feels cool to be associated with them. So, you know, it's interesting. Peter Barber, the, the, the founder of Two Dudes, tells the story that uh, one of his mentors early on in his career um, told him that he thought that was a terrible name for a company. And Pete's always been very, very happy that he did not take that advice. And... And you know it's interesting. I really want to give uh, I really want to give the guys at Two Dudes credit because I, I don't know that the name was the perfect name, except they totally have embodied that archetype through their decades of being in business, and that's what really matters. It could be a really silly name for a company, but because they've embraced that as their archetype, I think they've been really successful. Well, like like Rachel's. Um, all the pieces fit together. The the people that they hire, their graphic identity, the experience that they offer, it all fits together and adds up to a really strong brand identity. That's exactly right. Yeah. All right. So for for a final one, let's let's go in the opposite direction. I'm gonna name a brand here in Lancaster and you tell me what their archetype is. Oh, this will be fun. Give it to me. All right. 
Girls on the Run. All right. Well, we've, we've already talked about the hero, okay? Right. But let's talk about the fact that Girls on the Run is the perfect heroine, okay? okay? So let's talk about, you know, again, the hero is all about uh, a victory, is all about winning something. And what's really, really interesting to me about Girls on the Run is even though, you know, they don't talk, you know, they make it a great point of saying it doesn't matter who's fastest, it doesn't matter who's slowest. However, there is a specific victory in the Girls on the Run program that everybody knows about, which is everyone is training for that very, very special 5K at the end. Sure. And all you got to do is do it to be a winner. But let's be clear. Girls on the Run doesn't say, oh, we're always going to run and, you know, we're going to do all these things. There is a victory for everybody in Girls on the Run. And I think they, you know, they do a great job all the way across the board from embracing that heroine archetype. I mean, um, I, I've seen Girls on the Run events already where, where the girls are wearing capes. They, they truly feel like a superhero. And that's the point, you know, that's the point of the hero archetype so that you can feel like a hero or a heroine and, and, you know, guide yourself to victory. So it's kind of interesting to me, like, you know, all that health and wellness stuff, and that's absolutely real. That's absolutely true. But they've got that heroine piece. And I think that's one of the things that makes it a really strong brand. All right. So it sounds like if a brand um, abides by this archetype idea. It's pretty easy to see what image they're trying to pr project. I mean, we're talking about some of the strong brands in Lancaster County. But hey, why don't more brands do this? Oh, that's, that's a great question. The absolute number one reason that, that I've found th through my career is they don't see the value. It's really important to realize that archetypes operate at a subconscious level. That's subconscious, which means when you go buy a Jeep, you never said, I'm buying a Jeep because I'm an explorer. You never said, I'm strapping on a pair of Nike shoes because I'm a hero. It operates at that subconscious level. And so brand managers, marketing managers have to realize that there is absolutely value in doing that. But the second big thing, and this happens all the time, John, is that, you know, marketers want to sell to everybody. And so if I divide the room, and I always say the best marketing divides the room, but that, that also means that some people aren't going to buy from you. So for instance, John, if you are one of those people who hates the outdoors, how am I going to sell you a Jeep? Right, right. You, you have to be willing to say, you know what, we're not going to worry about selling to everybody. We're going to embrace the people that truly love what we do. So it's kind of about, marketing is about taking a stand, sticking your neck out and saying, this is what I'm going to stand for, and this is what I'm not going to stand for. Is that, that, is that fair? I think the best thing we can do as marketers is help people understand who should and who should not buy from us. Okay, that makes sense. Now let's talk about how to determine archetypes. Yeah, it's a, it's a great question. There, there, um, there are many, many surveys online. Um, we haven't even discussed what's going to be in our show notes. If we even have show notes for this, I have no idea. But it, I suppose if we if we have show notes, what are show notes? <laughs> someone's got to explain to us how these podcasts work. But uh, but perhaps we can put some links in the show notes about some some free online surveys. Um, definitely picking up the book, The Hero and the Outlaw, will help you out. And then the only other thing that I will tell you, and, and I've done a lot of brand archetype uh, research through the years, is I. I really like uh, when you find these surveys online, I will send them to employees, but I don't like to send them to, to, to customers, John. Okay. How I, come? Well, the, the reason is, again, this is supposed to operate at a subconscious level. Um, and, and I'll tell you how this really hit home for me. Um, I, had a, I had a panel one time of, of 12 high school students. 
10 of them were wearing Nikes, and I did everything I could to pull the hero archetype out of these kids. I was like, don't you want to be a winner? Doesn't it make you feel like you're going to do I, I, it? It didn't work. It okay. didn't work at all. And I think the reason it doesn't work is because these archetypes truly do operate at a subconscious level. Listen, a lot of things in this world, we got to operate on faith. And, and I think when it comes to interviewing your customers about archetype, it's bad mojo because if you do an archetype well, it works, but it's working at that subconscious level. All right. So here's a question for you. Are there any bad archetypes? Oh man, you're, you're going to make me do it, John. Now, listen, um, there are no bad archetypes. You know, it's interesting to me. Um, uh, I remember one time uh, I was, uh, uh, I w I was uh, this was my early years of benchmark construction, and we were doing an archetype survey, and, um, you know, they were, they were looking at the lover archetype, and they said, well, nobody would want to be a lover archetype. And I'm like, well, I think Victoria's Secret is, is, is pretty comfortable with it. Th there are no bad archetypes. However, I do believe that there is one archetype that people very, very quickly are drawn to. And honestly, I, I, I think that there's too, many, there's too many brands out there that embrace that sage archetype. What's the sage archetype? The, the sage archetype is the, is, the ta is the knowledge. It's the wisdom. It's the teacher. Here's the danger, John. The sage is the smartest guy in the room. Once again, I'm going to date myself, but actually, I'm going to make you date yourself, John. Talk to me. When I say E.F. Hutton, what was the slogan? Is that the one that says we earn money the old-fashioned uh, We make money the old-fashioned way we earn it? No, it's not. <laughs> okay. John, John I, thought, I, thought, I thought you were my age. You must All be right. younger. E.F. Hutton, when, when, when we talk, people, people listen. listen. That's Got absolutely it. right. So E.F. Hutton was a classic sage archetype. They okay. were the smartest guy in the room. Now, it's interesting to me that when I do archetype research, Everybody wants to be the smartest guy in the room. What's wrong with being the smartest guy in the room? John, tell me about what, tell me about what school was like growing up. How, you know, did, did everybody love the smartest guy in your class? No. Um, generally, he sat by himself, and people wanted to hang out with the dude, with the rebel. <laughs> and that's absolutely right. I don't know what happened with us that suddenly we're grown-ups, and we like to pretend the smartest guy in the room is the best thing to be. Okay. And there's something else to really, really think about when you, when you are the smartest guy in the room. When we were growing up, it was, it was pretty empirical, right? I could tell that you got a 98 on a test and I got an 85 on a test. Therefore, you are smarter. But you know what, John? Is it really, really easy? Is it possible to quantify the smartest accountant or the smartest attorney? So you're saying brands would have to prove it. Absolutely. So again, you know, you need to be consistent with this. So if you really have a way to prove that you are the smartest guy in the room, then the sage might be might be for you. But but uh, a funny little story I'll tell you. I, I got a good friend of mine, and um, and she does archetype research um, whenever she's doing a rebrand. And uh, and the other day we, we were out and talking for coffee, and, and I said, oh, how's it going with that particular brand you're working with? She goes. Well, I got another sage because that's what happens. People love to go there, but you need to be really careful. You need to be able to prove it. So here we are, John. Now, uh, as we mentioned, I've been, I've, been, uh, I've been carrying the water for this episode. I've been doing archetypes all my life, and, uh, and, I, and I've had fun teaching you about it. Are you ready for the challenge? We're at the end of the episode here. All right, so you're assuming I've been listening and learned something about archetypes, and now you're going to challenge me? That's exactly right. What I'm going to do, John, is I am going to name a particular category of business All right. in Lancaster, 
and I want you to tell me a way that you could position it with an archetype. But I'm going to make it a little bit harder for you because I'm going to take away the one that's right. most common. All right. Now, John, I don't know if you've seen the research, but according to some study I saw online, and you know, everything online is true, Lancaster's per capita, the number of tattoo shops per capita in Lancaster is like, it's off the charts. Are you aware of this fact? No, it, I, it's, I, I didn't know. I didn't realize it either. But we have apparently more tattoo shops per people than virtually every other city in America. But the funny thing about tattoo shops, John, is virtually every one of them says, I'm a rebel. Okay. Well, John, as we mentioned, tattoos are really, really commonplace today. Uh, it, it's not necessarily a rebellious act. So here's what I want you to do, John. You've been hired now to rebrand one of the tattoo shops in Lancaster. I don't need a name. I don't need a logo. But tell me a potential archetype that you would position them as. Because, again, the archetype, I truly believe, comes first. All right. Okay, so I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to put together a couple of the pieces we've been talking about. So one of the things you mentioned is that there's a lot of tattoo shops. So that leads me to think that in, in any market where there's a lot of competition, it becomes all the more important to set yourself apart. Dynamite. And, and as you said, uh, you shouldn't be afraid to divide the room. That's all right. right. So you, you divide the room by saying, we're going to sell to these people. We're not going to sell to these people. All right. Um, so the other thing you mentioned is that tattoos these days are not really about rebellion. Um, so here's what I'm going to propose. I'm going to divide the room first by gender. All right. Nice. So I am going to, my tattoo shop is going to only be for women. Okay. All right. So now be honest with you. I don't know what particular brand experience a woman who's getting a tattoo wants, but I'm going to presume that there is one and that we could figure it out and that we could build our brand around that particular brand experience. And I'm going to propose that the archetype is creator and that we're going to focus on self-expression. So tattoos as a met method of self-expression rather than a method of rebellion. John, I love it. Creator archetype is a perfect archetype for a tattoo shop. It's different than the rebels out there. Definitely positions you uh, as a different kind of tattoo shop out there in Lancaster. And of course, you want that to carry down through everything. You want it to carry down through the, through the branding, through the logo, through everything. But again, it all starts with the archetype. You, you sold me, John, I'm getting that tattoo, even though you told me it was a women's only shop. So <laughs> you'll have to go to a different shop. Sorry, Marcus. <laughs> I can always be the rebel. So hey, that's going to do it for this episode. Now, next time around, we're going to talk about um, Mark Zuckerberg and, and why we're kind of tired of hearing about him here in Lancaster. It's going to be a, a great episode. Um, and I and, uh, can't wait to, to have you guys back for that one. Excellent. All right. You've been listening to Marketing with Walker and Graham. We appreciate you tuning in. Uh, please visit lnpmediagroup.com for all of our episodes, and we'll see you next time.